We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self-discovery. Welcome back to another episode. Today we are talking about something that is pretty close to home for us. Well, most of these topics are actually, <laughs> let's be real. Um, but today's topic is on seasonal affective disorder, otherwise known as SAD. And this seemed appropriate since we're coming to the close of winter and going into spring and just understanding some of us are feeling a lull. Some of us are feeling, um, really affected by winter. And so we thought we would talk about this. We have a several people in our family who have this and are have tried different methods for treatment. And so I'm excited to dive into this. Me too. Okay, Lena, tell us what the definition of SAD is. And how do you know if you have it? Great. So seasonal affective disorder is a um, sustained dip in mood that's associated with change in seasons. And it used to be just thought of as something that occurred in the winter. But now they are finding that there are some people who also respond to other seasonal changes with a dip in mood, a consistent dip in mood. So it's been in, an interesting process in terms of having it first identified and then noticing how people are impacted by change in seasons. Well, that is actually super interesting because my dip in, in mood, my sustained dip in mood always comes in August and September, which correlates with when, um, the person who abused me would come back to live in our home. Right. So he would go away for the summer and then come back for school. And so, um, and I've, I, my body just dips and it takes me a couple of weeks every year to realize why am I so sad? And it, and right. it, again, it's another manifestation of the body keeping the score. Right. So tell us more, how do you know if you have seasonal affective disorder? What are the symptoms besides sustained lowering of mood? Well, um, some of the symptoms can be in winter that we sleep more. So that can be called hyposomnia. Um, we have less energy. In the winter, um, that tends to happen. Some people who are affected by the seasonal change in the spring and summer tend to have pro more problems with insomnia. Um, we lose interest in things that used to previously interest us. And we have um, an increase usually in irritability, difficulty in concentration and focusing, 
and we really can notice a dip in our energy and um, struggle with the, the concept that our energy may vary widely from when we're not struggling with seasonal act, affective disorder. That's really helpful. It sounds to me that it's very similar to depression. Yes, it's a type of depression. Okay, and so how do you know if you have depression versus seasonal affective disorder? Well, my diagnosis is actually that I have major depressive disorder recurrent. And then on top of that, I have seasonal affective disorder. And for those of us who struggle with it in the winter, it is often linked to the idea that we actually get less sunlight. We are in the sunlight less often because the days become shorter and shorter. And we have, um, I'm not sure how biological it is in terms of kind of snugging down for the winter and the, the concept of hibernating, but there tends to be in winter, um, the idea of slowing down, hunkering in, and that can sometimes affect our mood. That makes sense. So it sounds like you can have both depress depression and seasonal affective disorder. Yes. So um, obviously you want to be diagnosed by a clinician. Right. Okay. So if you suspect you have this, the best way to know is to go in and talk to your doctor and get a referral to a psychiatrist or a, psych a clinical psychologist who can also make diagnosis. Correct. A licensed therapist in your state is allowed to make diagnoses as well. Um, the, your point about going in to see a psychiatrist is valuable because there are some people who respond well to an increase in medication during the winter if they are already being treated for depression or those who don't have recurring depression, sometimes a slight dosage of some medications can be helpful. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm not describing something that people should do on their own, but involving a psychiatrist can give you a more um, focused approach to getting help for seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I always, you know, with our kids and with myself, um, I, I love having medical diagnosis that are, you know, by a trained professional. And I love researching and reading everything I can about things I can do at home. Right. Because my experience with medication is it definitely helps me. So I don't feel um, suicidal. Right. And so I don't feel unable to function, but it doesn't, it's not a cure all. You still right. have sadness. You still have seasonal affective disorder. You still have all these things. So what are some things? Well, actually, let me say this also coupled with the fact that in most States, it is such a long wait to get in to see a psychiatrist right now. Right. And so we have a mental health crisis where we're having really long waiting times. And um, in the meantime, mm -hmm. what can people do um, to help with seasonal affective disorder? 
the suggestions are similar to those for depression and they include exercising. Um, they include getting support from your, your social network. Although one thing that I find really ironic is that when I'm depressed, I actually don't have the energy to motivate myself to exercise. And I also can't figure out why anyone would want to be my friend. So I don't reach out to my social network. But um, the idea of being aware of ways that you can manage your mood, work on um, finding ways to have better sleep hygiene so that you are not sleeping too much or too little, um, being able to get out into the sun as much as possible. And Dr. Huberman that we listened to, he talks about being able to get out to the, in the sun as soon as you wake up, because what it does is it's, it resets your circadian rhythm. And one of the theories is that seasonal affective disorder is a circadian rhythm issue. So being able to expose yourself to sun right away, I always do better if I am exercising with a friend because I won't cancel on a friend, but I will certainly cancel on myself. <laughs> I was just thinking that a buddy system where, yes. you know, I have a built-in buddy where my partner is very, very supportive of my mental health. And um, so I have a, a person who I feel completely safe with saying, I am so depressed today. Mm -hmm. But not everyone has that. Right. Um, and so developing um, a buddy system with just one person in your life where you can talk through how you're feeling and your mood. And because what I find is Kevin has such an ability to be an observer for me. And he'll say, oh, right. that's interesting because what I noticed is this. And cause I'll say, Oh, I, I feel so this, I feel so that. And then I, th I was yelling and he's like, that's interesting. I, I didn't hear you yelling. I, I thought, you know, I could tell you were on edge, but so his observations counteract my very negative bias during depression. <laughs> that's a really great point because part of what happens when we're depressed is we have a perception problem. And uh, we don't perceive our own behavior and we don't perceive others' behaviors with as much accuracy or um, reasonableness when we're struggling with depression. Yeah. And so if seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression, it helps to have that buddy system to go on a walk with to, you know, when, if let's say I didn't live with Kevin and I needed a buddy outside of my home, someone that... I could call and they would say, were you able to get some sun today? Um, were you able to move your body for 20 minutes? Mm -hmm. And not in a shaming way, just in an accountability. Um, so I think that's really important. The other thing that's been really helpful for our family, um, mm -hmm. our parents lived in Finland for three years about almost 20 years ago. Yes. And during that time, um, my dad had a lot of seasonal affective disorder. And so, um, that's when he started using red light therapy or was it red light therapy? I don't think so. It's a, it's, I'm not sure it's called red light. I believe that it's just the light light therapy. Light therapy. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I'm confusing my sauna, which I have <laughs> red light therapy in my sauna. 
saunas are good too. <laughs> yes, I, I use my sauna for this. Um, <laughs> okay, so light therapy, which mimics the spectrum of the sun, the light right. spectrum of the sun. Right. Yes. Okay. And you can find um, lights that do that on lots of websites. The interesting thing that I noted from one of Dr. Huberman's podcasts is that he talked about ring lights tend to mimic it better than most other lights. And I was so intrigued by that. And ever since then, I've always kept my ring light on during the day. <laughs> oh, that's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're a TikToker, you're in really good shape. <laughs> you're in good shape. <laughs> that's right. That's, that is super interesting. And ring lights are not very expensive. No. That's fantastic. Yep. There is a freebie. And even though we live somewhere where it gets pretty cold and it snows, I will bundle up. And if I even see a hint of sun, even if it's 20 degrees, I bundle up, get a blanket and sit on my front porch for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. just closing my eyes with my sun, with my face, um, towards, towards the sun. The sun. Right. And that is effective. Right. So yep. we have a free option, a not as expensive option. And, um, and then of course you want to make sure there's no window in between you. So that's a critical thing I learned about sun exposure is it's not as effective if you're in a car or in a house mm -hmm. and you have a window that's actually filtering that sunlight. Yep. That's true. Although this is a place where I would say to most of my clients, some thing is better than none thing. So if you can't manage to get yourself outside and you can sit near a window where the sun is shining, that is awesome. Great. That's a good micro step. Right. Good point. Good. Any other tips for seasonal affective disorder in terms of what we can do about it or what I, we need to know about it? Well, I read a book in the mid nineties by the doctor who um, discovered the concept of seasonal affective disorder. I can't remember his name, but I believe the book is called the winter blues and it was brilliant. And one of the things he suggested was instead of fighting so hard against the fact that you have seasonal affective disorder, be in a place where you can acknowledge it and work around and through it. And so his suggestion was on days when you have a little more energy, get essential tasks done. And as you come into the winter season, know that this is going to be most likely something that you'll be dealing with again and plan accordingly. And for whatever reason, that was such a relief to me because I felt so at the mercy of the changing in seasons. And so I've used that since the mid nineties in lots of ways, including just with my major depressive disorder, the concept that some days you're gonna have more energy than others. And instead of being self-critical, I can, I can surrender to that concept and the knowledge of that and try to make, um, try to make accommodations so that I am still taking care of myself. I think that's great. And as you were speaking, I was reminding, um, I was reminded of kind of the rhythms of the season, you know, 150 years ago where spring and summer you would plant and harvest your crops and you would work really hard to prepare for winter, 
when not as many things grow. I mean, we have onions and, and some other, you know, things growing in winter, but not as much as spring and summer. Right. And so that preparation would hold you over through winter in terms of food. Right. And as you were speaking, I was thinking that's so interesting because in our modern society, we don't really have a, a down rhythm to winter unless we've been, you know, we have a snow day or where we live, you know, ice days where it's too icy to drive. And so you have to hunker down, but we have to create that mentally. Right. So we gear up spring and summer, not that we have to go crazy and over function and burn ourselves out spring and summer, but we recognize there will be a down gear in winter and that we prepare for it by embracing it almost. I love that, Amy. I think that's a really excellent reframe. So instead of me thinking I get less done in the winter, maybe I could think winter is a time for refreshing. Yeah, it is. It's a rejuvenation. It's a time for resting. Right. I like that a lot. I love when the school calls and and school's canceled. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's hard having all the kids home with nothing to do. Right. But it's, it, it feels so decadent to just rest and no one can do anything. Right. You know, which is kind of fun. Yes. Um, in, in modern society. So, and I realize we're coming post pandemic, so it's not as fun as it was five years ago. Good point. But <laughs> yes, yes. Anything else you want to let us know? This has been really helpful for me. No, just um, the concept of accepting what tends to happen um, accepting these these changes as days progress and as seasons change. And instead of making them awful in our own minds, just identifying that this is something that happens for us and find ways to accept it, work around it, work through it and learn how to rest. That is something that is so undervalued in our society. It's true. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will see you all next week. Take care, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at MendingTrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at mendingtrauma.com or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at mendingtrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.